Metal Podcast, Episode 81, Celtic Frost. This is the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And uh, we're not dedicating the whole show to Hellhammer, for those of you who are diehard old school, old school, old school fans. Uh, but we're kind of covering uh, Celtic Frost in a, a little two-part uh, special for you. That's right. To start the new year uh, the right way with, you know, the entryway into hell. Oh, some a band that everybody should, everybody's heard of, not everybody has the stuff, but I think is probably... The single most biggest influence on extreme metal genre, Celtic Frost and Hellhammer. Yeah, yeah, I would say if you, because you can draw lines out of out of Celtic Frost and Han, Hellhammer that go not just to sort of death metal, but mm-hmm. they go to black metal, they go to oh, grindcore, yeah. they go imagery you know, of black metal is almost all dictated by. I mean, Venom was more of a Hollywood version of that, but Celtic Frost is like as far as like the second wave of black metal goes. Sure. I yeah. mean, there, there's the blueprints right there. Well, and then, you know, we were listening to some tunes that had a, a discharge repulsion feel, and then there's obviously the sort of the 
Celtic Frost breakdown and all, a lot of the Napalm Death and early ground oh, yeah. core stuff. And then obviously these guys, you know, in terms of vocally, hugely influenced death metal. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of the, going to the next level, sort of guttural and, and extreme stuff. I mean, even doom metal to some extent. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean like the whole avant-garde and stuff that they started doing later on in their career was like hugely influenced. I mean, it's not as, uh, I guess, as refined as, <laughs> as it is yeah, now yeah. or as it went on to its influences. But the stuff they were trying and the, their limited knowledge and being novices mm-hmm. at instruments I think all contributed to that overall sound is like if they had crazy solos and, and were su- super like technically proficient, you'd be losing something. Like, these are all yeah. like primal riffs when it yeah. comes down to it. And and when we talk in part two more about like into the pandemonium and even some of the experimentation on like to mega theory on oh, the stuff. whole show we're going to do on vanity nemesis. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, not just that, but I mean, we have to play cherry orchards for all the cold lake fans that are out there. Yeah. So uh, well, Therian, you'll, have to, you'll have to stay tuned to part two to see if we actually, uh, Therian wouldn't through. exist without Celtic frost. Yeah, this is true. Well, there's a lot of bands that wouldn't exist yeah. without Celtic frost, but even the trajectory that Therian takes. Oh yeah. From their early the, career the, to the like pompous, the really like wow. classical craziness yeah. yeah well in fact i remember on the uh beauty and darkness uh sampler beauty and black well no they had the song to megatherion oh. it was actually called and it was yeah. like oh, no, da, 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 da. like just like it awful I mean, it was like track two and i skipped it <laughs> you know <laughs> i think Moonshield started the whole album off and then like i went to the hypocrisy song that was on there but that was a good sampler except for the fluffy gothic crap that was yeah. on there but back to yeah necromo oh my gosh um, but back to uh, to Hellhammer and the tune you just heard was uh, was Massacre and uh, Hellhammer it has you know kind of auspicious beginnings uh, you know it started off as a three piece and originally it was uh, you know obviously the the central figure Celtic Frost for those of you who are you know living under a rock the last thirty years or Tom so Tom Fisher is Tom Fisher or Tom D- G Warrior or as he was known in Hellhammer era as uh, Tom Satanic Slaughter <laughs> Warrior so. And uh, who you heard on that tune was was Martin Ain, the bassist as well, who was kind of in and out of, of Celtic Frost through mm-hmm. the years. And, and back he, now. Yeah, and he's back now. And he was Slade Necros. And then uh, the drummer actually was uh, Bruce Day, uh, also known as Denial Fiend Bloodhunter. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of, you know, the black metal influence, there, there's another one, you know, the yeah. sort of adopting of, of kind of nicknames or... Well, you know, Sodom did the same thing, like, you know, Tom Angel Ripper. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff, which is, I think is cool as... Oh yeah, Angel Ripper but... is, is as cool as they get, you know. Uh, but but originally it had was is it Tom's brother? I'm 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 I have no idea. Or, oh well, no, because it was Tom, it was Steve Warrior, so it wasn't Steve yeah. Fisher. So it's like yeah, you know, Bath Dumacalta and Demoness Dumacalta. Yeah, exactly. You know? They're brothers in metal, but not brothers in genetics. And I don't know what really happened. I don't I don't know a whole lot um, about the early beginnings of, of Hellhammer, like why the original founder. You know, I think he was on some of the. Um, the demos that they did, the Death Fiend and the Triumph of Death demos from like June of '83. Mm-hmm. But in terms of uh, the the record that most people know Hellhammer from, which is Apocalyptic Raids, yeah, it's it's the three piece I just mentioned. Um, and I think was I think he was a guitarist and a vocalist, you know, Steve Warrior. So I think he just sort of shared some so, of the responsibilities yeah. with, with Tom and stuff. But um, but if you want to know the the definitive history of Celtic Frost, check out the the uh, Are You Morbid book, yeah, penned just, by Tom G. Warrior. Yeah, we were just talking about. It. Neither of us have read it, but uh, I've heard good things about it. That mm-hmm. it's it's kind of. Yeah, we should do an audiobook. Yeah, there you go. I have more good. time to listen to that stuff. Because Tom Warrior, for 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 what it's worth, I mean, he's he's sort of a a Chuck Schuldiner type personality. I mean, I think he. He kind of rubs some people the wrong way. I think maybe. he's got a strong ego. Yeah, I mean, he's got a, a vision to what he to what he does, and uh, pretty uncompromising for the most part. He's kind of a abrasive 
dude for the most part, I think. I mean, you ever see interviews with the guy? He doesn't seem like to come across as the most friendly, you know, individual. But no. uh, yeah, definitely, you know, one of the most like prolific songwriters of you know the extreme metal genre. Well, and I think exists without him. I, I, I think what you were saying too is that you know this guy's not a guitar hero. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chuck Schuldiner. Uh, you know, developed from a primitive state, but he sort of advanced. And, and I feel like Tom did, but he didn't advance in terms of his guitar playing. He advanced, I guess, in his like sort of soundscape of like compositional ideas and, and things. Yeah, because like you listen to like Minor you know. And uh, I mean, it, as far as like <clears throat> from looking at like a technical aspect, he hasn't really progressed too much as far as like learning new chords but as far as like making new noises and yeah, yeah soundscapes and uh, and just like setting a mood and 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 there you go i think the the thing that you're going to hear in hellhammer and celtic frost is they're a mood setting band i mean if you know the song we're going to play next from apocalyptic rays triumph of death i wrote down on some of my notes it's it's as if it was sort of like puked out by hell you know like mm-hmm. the first three minutes of the song is just you know awful yeah, uh, but awful in a cool way. I mean, it's well, just like at the time, noises. At the time, nothing like that had probably been recorded and yeah. released by anyone. So. And and that's what you know when you get to part two in Monotheus, which Mark just mentioned, which is the the comeback record uh, and probably the last record from what I've read. They're, mm-hmm. they're pretty much done now. Uh, you know, they they do symphonies and, and different sort of movements. And there's a 14 minute song that we'll play called Synagoga Satana, and it's just I mean, it's just all about the sort of emotional wreck of of a sound that's kind of happening the sort of utter despair put on record in a mm-hmm. way you know and that's where the the doom metal genre borrows i think a lot from from some of the things that frost did as well you yeah. know uh, i mean candle mass took some of the early kind of frost riffs and brightened them up a little bit but that sort of bottom heaviness that you hear on like morbid dales and, and some of that everything's power chords it's it's there you know <laughs> and uh you know the other thing that you heard especially in a tune like massacre is the punk influence you know oh yeah the, the motorhead you know was probably a big influence and well, that and just early punk, I'm sure was sure. was early discharge. Influence. I've heard uh, the funny thing is talk about discharge before. does not have the same reverence in punk circles as it does in metal circles. Yeah, for some weird? reason that they yeah. they sort. Well, I think it's the whole the over. whole angro thing is like that, that was more of a UK based deal, and I think that was not necessarily as it was like such a niche thing in the, in the punk scene. Mm-hmm. But for the metal scene, it seemed like wow, these guys are like kindred spirits. Sure, like they're they're screaming more so than being like the snotty. Vocals. When it was like probably like five percent of punk was this anacro stuff, but mm-hmm. that was the five percent that any of the metalheads could like tolerate, and so they grabbed onto that and like blew it up and elevated it so big and made mm-hmm. discharge like legendary. You know, in a yeah. way, whereas like you said, from a punk perspective, it was just like some like weird little subgenre you know? yeah subgenre that mm-hmm. nobody cared about you know but you know obviously like influences venom has to be like kind of one of the bigger ones yeah. you know they're kind of taking the the venom sort of like assault and, and kind of polishing it a little bit you know oh, even making it more i mean venom was pretty i mean as far as you know black metal if you want to call them black metal I, the whole yeah. turn whatever <laughs> but uh they, they were very very stripped down very almost like the cock rock equivalent of you know of, of the black metal i think Celtic Frost kind of added an air of legitimacy along with Bathory. Yeah. Actually being like truly like evil sounding and not just in an image and uh, over the top mm-hmm. kind of spectacle. Oh yeah. You know, and, and I mean, a tune like Massacre is fun to sort of listen to and, and, and stuff. But like, like I said, when we get to Triumph of Death next year, you're going to sort of hear the sort of utter despair and the doom and the gloom and the just evilness finally put down on record. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know if you get that necessarily from a tune like Massacre. I mean, it's, it's pretty nasty for its time. I mean, nasty vocally and mm-hmm. Primitive drumming and just primitive riffing, and you know, 
it's very heartfelt. I think that's a thing you can always say about Celtic Frost is even when they have failed experiments, there's like they're not like trying he's, to he's construct being a, things. Yeah, he's are, honest. You know, honest with his delivery, honest failures and honest successes, and that's yeah. the one thing you'll you'll say. I mean, I guess the only thing that's not honest is probably Cold Lake because I think that was sort of a a, a studio kind of push you know, yeah. that was sort of happening. But um, you know, in terms of like where I you know where did you come into Celtic Frost? Oh boy, uh, early nineties. Okay, probably ninety three or four. Yeah, that's when I first and it was all from reading interviews with people about you know this and that and they weren't. I think um, they were put out by Noise, which at that time still had was still putting out records as you know as distribution and licensing. Yeah. Um, but I actually the first time I heard them was on record. Okay. I, yeah, you got you know, the records got, from the radio station, right? Yeah, there. I mean, it was this old radio station that was basically had their entire metal archives that was basically being like thrown away if uh they weren't pulled out of the trash so yeah 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 that's how i've got all my destruction sodom celtic frost all that stuff yeah that was i've, I've seen some of that collection that's nice you yeah, that's i get the first battery well. record that oh, that's that's ridiculous i um, mean it had probably never been played on the radio oh I'm positive uh, it's never been yeah played. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's no place for that uh yeah. cme radio and stuff but uh the my experience with Celtic Frost, I mean, I think you and I both came in at a weird time where Celtic Frost, in a way, like was sort of tarnished. You know, like there was, oh, totally. You know, Cold Lake had sort of happened, and, and Vanity Nemesis, which I, some people see as kind of a, a reputable, okay record. At least it wasn't Cold Lake, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, so like I didn't get my hands on actual like Celtic Frost discs until probably the late nineties. But I had uh, Chris had lent me, or, or even had an extra copy of that Dwell Records in memory of Celtic Frost yeah. tribute record. And that was a sort of a big deal. You know, speaking of Massacre, you know, Emperor did a cover there and Slaves on that. Opeth did Circle of the Tyrants. Mm-hmm. Um, Graves on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, there was, I think Grave did uh, Into the Pandemonium Mesmerized, if I do believe, like a weird, like, if I don't totally remember. unexpected for Grave. That was actually, that was one of the album covers that I was uh, commissioned to do the the logo for. Oh, really? Then something fell through with it. Oh, okay. I did when a pretty sweet logo. No, this is when I was, I was just freelancing. Oh, stuff. okay. This cool. was like before Necropolis went out of business. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because was that Dwell or Necropolis that put that out? They were the same. Oh, I think they the were, same. They were sort of entity, under- but yeah, like Rochelle from Central Media. She used to be a longtime runner. I don't think she's involved with Central Media. No, I remember Rochelle back when. But I she actually, yeah, she was the one that was compiling all the tracks and everything. So, huh. yeah, and I mean, it's it's for tribute albums. It's a decent introduction, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, you get a sense of the scope of the band, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly kind of thing, and you kind of hear the, the riffing that's sort of in there. And so, when well, you see like you know, if you're really in a grave, like see, well, what, what did Grave pull out of this? What did yeah. Emperor pull out of this? Sure. And, yeah. yeah, and Slaves cover Procreation of the Wicked was so like offbeat it was kind of right when enslaved was doing like uh eld and some of their weird yeah they're starting to get a little more out there you know yeah. and you can hear that when Roy Kronheim started coming in the yeah mix. <laughs> yeah so that made me kind of like look into celtic frost a little deeper and then i eventually got my hands i think on a used copy of tomega theory on and then uh coon we were t- you and i were joking about this with the marduk shows mm-hmm. buying multiple copies he had an yeah. extra copy of into pandemonium because he had bought it <laughs> twice and he threw that my way and which so, i never even bought till last year yeah, yeah so and then i eventually picked up morbid tales and then apocalyptic raids which is the hellhammer so recently reissued yeah and then the thing we should say about Hellhammer before we play Triumph of Death here in a second is that Hellhammer, uh, uh, the story goes is as the day after they broke up, they formed Celtic Frost. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it was, like Carnage and Dismember. Yeah, it's just like it's, <laughs> exactly. or a nihilist and Entomb. Yeah. yeah, it's just sort of seamless. So that's why we decided to play some Hellhammer at the, even though it's a Celtic Frost show because it's it's kind of essential. So, uh, any thoughts on uh, Triumph of Death here? 
or into the crypts of rays, which we're going to hear uh, the first oh, official into crypt. Of rays. I think that was probably Orbanese. the first Celtic Frost song I heard. I used to video trade with a guy in the early '90s, and he gave me a bunch of like Swiss TV live performances of you know into the crypt of rays and. I forget. It was like just some like almost like you know rock bandstand show, uh-huh. and so that was like my first, that was the first time actually seeing them play live in the whole you know corpse paint leather yeah they that did kind the of whole thing. Deal. He had kind of the eyeliner underneath and, and yeah some and of for that. being like you know I think it was I don't remember the one this was they from. Kind of this looked, was like from eighty five or eighty six. Okay, the, the video is from, but you know at that point I I didn't seen a whole lot of like anybody that kind of like super like melodramatic look i think the only other band i can think of that at that time would be you know show no mercy hello waits era slayer yeah you know and i mean i would probably argue slayer and celtic frost are probably the the two biggest influences on multiple genres you Mm -hmm. know like i don't i can't see another two bands like that you know whereas Bathory almost had direct influence almost single-handedly on black metal not so much on death metal Mm -hmm. you know celtic frost and slayer were like Dude, everybody listened to those two bands if you were in the extreme metal kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, universally. Yeah. You know, so. And Bathory really wasn't even that widely recognized like Bloodfire Death. Yeah. So, yeah. internationally. Yeah. So, but we'll uh, we'll talk more about the actual creation of Celtic Frost and more details when we come back. But uh, we've got Triumph of Death, which is pretty epic. So, you know, kind of prepare yourself. So, the song doesn't even really get going until about three minutes in, and then you, you start to get like a song out of the gurgling stuff. And one interesting note about Triumph of Death. When Jeff, uh, Grant Corcoon, and I uh, had our temporary band, uh, mm-hmm. which went by many man- <laughs> monikers, uh, but like, you know, when we were sophomores, juniors in high school, the riff that we had for a song called Topeka, which is about the wonderful town of Topeka, Kansas, and all the opportunities it offered to humankind, uh, it turns out when we've heard Triumph of Death, uh, we had actually bastardized a Celtic Frost riff without actually even hearing Celtic Frost. I think, I think Celtic Frost subliminally has, these are all of the like the most primal riffs, mm-hmm. metal riffs imaginable. Like, they wrote them all. Yep. That nobody else could pull out that simply. You know? Oh, and that, that's the beauty of Celtic Frost, is the simplicity of uh, sort of the guitar playing and mm-hmm. stuff here. So, But we got Triumph of Death from Hellhammer, and then we're going to go into uh, a pair of tunes uh, from the debut from Celtic Frost, Morbid Tales, which we'll talk about more. Got the intro called human which blends uh, yeah exactly <laughs> uh it's kind of like the beginning of uh what's uh opeth my arms you heard yeah. uh into the crypts of rays and then uh one of the quintessential uh songs in probably the history of extreme metal which is procreation of the wicked
procreation of the wicked into the crypts of rays and triumph of death. And uh, if you know what the crypts of rays are, Mark and I were too lazy to look them up, but uh, I'm sure it means something evil. Yeah, it's probably something evil. <sighs> but morbid tales. Uh, so, like I said, you know, um, Apocalypse Grades from Hellhammer was put out in '84. Uh, and actually, we should mention that, that before, or right around the same time as Apocalyptic Raids, Noise put out a, a, a compilation called Death Metal, mm-hmm. which may have predated Possess use of the song Death Metal. Who knows how uh, widely which distributed Seven Churches was out in 84. Mm-hmm. And that had Halloween, Running Wild, uh, and Dark Avenger, and then, of course, two songs from Hellhammer. So that must have been a really uh, I think I've actually heard I don't know if I don't think I ever owned it but I think I heard it on it might have been on tape or a dub or something but seeing how much that Hellhammer stood out from those oh, other bands yeah. well wow. it's probably like that Scandinavian uh, metal attack with Bathory I mean there was probably yeah. like that was just like what the hell well that, yeah that was a kind of a total fluke that Bathory even got on the exactly. thing because so. the one band dropped off right yeah I think so that's how it goes so so anyways and then March of 84 is Apocalyptic Raids and not too long after that they broke up and then, of course, you get Morbid Tales, which was put out in 1984. The first EP. Yeah, an EP. And I think a lot of people, like myself and, and you, were kind of talking about this. Like, I always forget this is an EP. You know, the, I mean, it's the, like a 24-minute thing, well, which wasn't really that much shorter than an actual album back in the day. No. For metal. But. Not, not too much shorter. But the thing is, I guess the European version only had six songs originally. Mm-hmm. And then they throw the American version, which was put out, had two extra songs. It had Morbid Tales and Dethrone Emperor on it. Yeah, so that, that's the one. I've got that the the noise US version okay. of that. And that brought up to eight songs. And then if you're like me and you bought a copy, uh, which I think was re, re-released in like 90, 99. Noise put it out again with Emperor's Return. Yeah, and so, you know, it for all intents and purposes, is like 12 songs and looks like a full length to me. You know? yeah. So I, I never really think of Morbid Tales as an EP. Um, you get Morbid Tales in 84 and then August of 85, Emperor's Return. And these are sort of the two primitive statements. And you can really probably talk about them fairly really you know side by side i mean a creative level they're not really too distant so. no and the only difference is is when you get to emperor's return is the the uh reed saint mark takes over for drums mm-hmm. so the guy playing drums here is not blood hunter bruce day but it's uh stephen Priestley. yeah not to be confused with stephen piercy from rap <laughs> so, not at all for, the, for those of you uh who might uh might have gotten confused there the thing that we were talking about though is is where what kind of access these guys had to within the American market. You know, we were talking about how, you know, whether or not the West Coast, you know, thrash scene was, was kind yeah, of getting access to Celtic Frost like they were, say, like King Diamond and, and you know, Merciful Fate because of Lars Ulrich. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, well, I, I think I, this is kind of when the tape trading scene, I mean, it was pretty much going full tilt at the time, too. Not, you know, not necessarily the, the underground extreme metal stuff, but yeah. just in general. Well, I'm sure guys like Chuck with Mantis was getting yeah. a hold of this, and the, the guys from Possessed probably, you know, knew of Celtic Frost and, and, and were, were kind of, you know, and Hellhammer and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird. You know, we haven't mentioned Celtic Frost is, is from Switzerland, uh, and so, you know, whether or not they had access to, to the American market, you know, is, is kind of beyond me. Switzerland, uh, not exactly the, the bastion of metal. I can think of three bands that probably matter. These guys, Samael and uh, um, Corner, are the only three I can think of. Oh, and you've got... Um, oh, you got... Uh, Elastis. Elastis, <laughs> which is Samael, basically. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, but the, the funny thing, like all those bands have that weird kind of like power chord structure. Oh yeah. Not it's it's more about like groove than it is about like you know precision or like sure. guitar virtuoso. Although Coroner had a little bit more. Corn, yeah, Coroner was more virtuoso. probably in the thrash realm than yeah. the other guys. So, but I guess Tom Tom Warrior wrote some Coroner tunes, some of the early Coroner stuff. But was never on a record. Never on a record. And the Coroner guys were actually the original roadies for Celtic Frost on their first couple tours. That's so hilarious. there you go, a little uh, yeah. tidbits of information out there. But uh, Pro. Creation of the Wicked, which we just heard, just an incredibly, I, I would say this and Dethrone Emperor are kind of the two ultimate templates of the Celtic Frost riff. Yeah. You know, Procreation of the Wicked's, I guess, the slower, groovier kind of one, and Dethrone Emperor's the sort of the more, I don't know, the obituary riff, if you Well, will. yeah, I mean, those two songs and, and kind of uh, are almost the blueprint of obituary. Yeah. Like, completely. I mean, obituary are not anything more than a Celtic Frost band with more extreme vocals. Yeah. Yeah, At least well, the first couple records. And John, and you were talking about how some of the gurgling and weird stuff that he was doing on Triumph of Death is it's like totally tardy. It's John Tardy, yeah. you know, trying, you know, where, where I'm sure they, those guys back then were executioner, like in '84, '85. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when they got their hands on this, they're like, oh, we got to totally change our entire direction of what we're. I wonder from do. from like a sociological standpoint. I mean, look at that Norway and black metal. I mean, these like picturesque, pristine. Uh, relatively conflict-free areas oh, along with Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah, absolutely. and those are the places where where these kind of like uh, well, dark underbellies are merc- from. Merciful fate in Denmark. I mean, yeah. one of the highest standards of living in the world as yeah. well. You know, I mean, <laughs> I yeah, it's weird. And then the way it, it sort of attaches itself in certain American communities. You know, I mean, Florida was a has some kind of rough and tumble kind of places. I mean, I don't think Tampa's probably you know the safest place in the world. It's no Miami, but you know. And then but, it, but it's also and, not Birmingham. Some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah I mean, because sure. like, England's sure. got definitely that social upheaval kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. It's the, a, the classism it's a, kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't go back and look at where all the stuff erupted from where. I mean, like, there wasn't a ton of social unrest or any of the really, like, key figures, really. Well, and Fenrez was talking about that. That was probably the only thing I found interesting in that whole documentary, that Black Model documentary Until that Texas, we watched, yeah. uh, was Fenrez was talking about how how he was always drawn to art that came from like static suburban homogenous societies because he said that was like you know when he dug under the underbelly of sort of pop art you mm-hmm. know like the the crap that like you know middle class people just decorate their houses with when you when you actually like get into the underbelly of like what people who live in a like you said a conflict free society mm-hmm. what they actually are, are able to sort of create out of sort of boredom or angst of like having <laughs> nothing to really care about or fight against you know yeah. I mean the whole UK punk and, and the hardcore scene in America you know was rallying against Reagan mm-hmm. you know the UK punk scene was coming out of like economic plight in England and job loss and all this you know and so it was sort of breeding that you know the late 60s rock and roll stuff in America was coming mm-hmm. out of you know Vietnam and civil rights sort of unrest yeah. and so that stuff made tangible sense you know it, you, you, you understood exactly what they were talking about but I don't know. You know, when you're a discontented youth and you have nothing to fight against, I guess you start writing songs about like Satan and doorways to hell and evil and yeah, you know, because you're just like, eh, what can I do to shock you know the white establishment? I think know? there's that yeah, just to shake it up a little bit to to, to actually make something that, that garners some kind of response, not just ah yeah. oh, yes yeah, not it's keyified or something. And it's weird because you know like I've always thought of art as being a product of like the the sort of conflict going on in society and, and yeah. it never really occurred to me these sort of 
peaceful socialist kind of states where everything's perfect and and, well, I, and I had a, a pretty much nuclear upbringing as far as a, no no any kind of like conflicts or sure. horrible scarring experiences but I was I've always been drawn to the opposite of that kind of stuff same here you, you know? know yeah the the sort of uh Degenerative art or something, you know. Not yeah, I mean, well, just, just the just stuff that come that's come comes from conflict. I think if, if you're if you're just in that really kind of comfortable nurturing environment all the time, you want to know like, well, what the hell's all this other stuff about? Well, and then you know, you scratch the surface, you look at what's going on in the world, and, and obviously there's disturbing things, you know. Sure. And when you grow up in a place like maybe Switzerland, you're sort of censored from all that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like all sanitized, and so when you, you have seek to, like, it out, like we grew up in a small you know area in the middle of Michigan. And we were always seeking out those other things, you know, like where, where did this stuff come from? Like mm-hmm. what, what's actually happening? Not just the, you know, the Walmart eyes kind of like gentrified oh, yeah. history that you yeah. know, kind of pervades us right now. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something about, you know, Northern Europe mountains and, and sort of socialist per- perfection, utopian perfection or something, yeah. you know, like that. I mean, Switzerland <laughs> has its mountain, Norway, Sweden have their mountains, you know, I don't know if Denmark does per se, but you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, it's that's a really that's a really interesting thought, you know. And and Frost is certainly the on the front lines of that because, I mean, I, I can't think of anything else that was even remotely sounded like this at this point. No, no, you know, I don't um, think anything ever really kind of captured the purity of these first couple records either. No, not at all, you know. And their influence obviously widespread. You know, we we're just talking about obituary, but you know, down the road, you're going to hear near the, at the end of the show, when they start to get a little more experimental, you start to hear the, the influence on bands like Anathema and, and Bride and, and stuff. And so yeah, it's, it's uh, cool. yeah, I don't think there's any, any area or subgenre of metal that they didn't touch in some sure. capacity. Now I, the, the breakdown, I'm just kind of thinking of back to, we were talking about how procreation of the wicked and dethrone emperor, kind of the, the two twin, you know, riffs, I guess, of these guys. In Scum, uh, the debut grind record mm-hmm. from Napalm, the, the sort of famous breakdown. I think that's Scum. more of the Nocturnal Fear breakdown. Oh, okay. That's what I'm hearing, at least. Okay, you're hearing more and that's of that. And the Nocturnal Fear kind of breakdown is the same one that Napalm's transmutated 50, 60 times now. Sure. Well, yeah. they even have, uh, well, they got that, the, the opening track on one of their 2000 records. I think it was the, the one from 2002. Order the Leech? Yeah, the opening track. They even have the Celtic Frost breakdown and, and, and Barney screams. No, and Barney screams, Procreation! Oh, that's right. You know, yeah. And he even, like, it's like his, his ode to Celtic Frost, you know. So, you know, just, you know, Celtic Frost's not a death metal band. They're not a thrash band. They're not just an avant garde doom. They're band. kind of their own. They're not entity. even a grind band or yeah. anything. You know, they're just kind of doing their own thing. But this next tune, Dethrone Emperor, this is, uh, this is my favorite Celtic Frost tune for whatever reason. I don't know. It's just. Like I can listen to it any time and like feel good, you know. It just sort of gets me like. And it's motivated. not, yeah. I mean, because Procreation into the Crypt are kind of the the go to if they're going to have a best of record or something. Sure. Those would be the ones. But this is kind of the, you know, the the third one or the the stepchild of the yeah, group yeah, or something. Yeah. But yeah. The, the third ultimately single, there's more which there. people forget was you yeah. know, floating around. And uh, then we get into Visions of Mortality, which is coming up, which is just again a, a pretty quality standard uh, kind of Celtic Frost tune from Morbid Tales. And then Dance Macabre, you know, um, which their first kind of foray into uh, the bizarre, the avant-garde, the I don't know what they were listening to at the time. If it was just purely them trying to evoke some kind of, you know, emotion or evoke some kind of incantation. No, and that's, what, knows, it, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, you know, like teenagers trying to conjure Satan. You yeah. Know? Um, I've just been reading this this book, Fargo Rock City, and, and he Chuck Klosterman, he's talking. The chapter I just read was all about sort of the 
kind of teenage obsession with Satanism in the 80s and like mm-hmm. how trendy it was and stuff and you know, you know I can imagine like in 84 you know picking this vinyl up and, and putting it on and being like oh my god you know something something's you know happening it sounds like they're playing like the record backwards and yeah. speaking backwards and you know, there's it's like something a, you shouldn't hear almost. You no, know, it's, it's, it's got that taboo quality. And it, and it got a horror movie theme kind of aspect to it. I, I mentioned it reminded me of the Fantomas interpretation of the Omen theme, <laughs> or kind of like Goblin's soundtrack for yeah. you know, Dario Argento films. Or well, it's, it's Tom where you're like using his voice as a keyboard instead of you yeah. know, using any kind of other orchestration to kind of get that. And I think this is one of their truly most successful avant garde attempts you know i mean mm-hmm. the, some of the stuff that they'll do with into the pandemonium is, is kind of like fumbling and, and kind of like too much too soon kind of stuff yeah yeah and uh this this feels right i mean it, it doesn't take away from like the atmosphere of the record of being like sort of evil and, and in your face you mm-hmm. know um and then we're going to kind of close things out with one of the punkier tunes which mark mentioned which is uh nocturnal fear uh definitely had as you said probably the most influence like maybe on the grind so. Yeah, I think as far as the, the, the catchiness, the breakdowns to grind. Sure, sure. So any, And speed uh, really too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well we'll get we'll get into speed when we sort of start to close things out. But so we got a set of four, uh Dethrone Emperor, Visions of Mortality, Dance Macabre, and Nocturnal Fear. And Dethrone Emperor, uh, you can find on the American version of Morbid Tales or on the uh, Emperor's Return, which came out uh, in August of '85. So, which it, I think you you pretty much get them on the same record. Yeah, now. actually, now, I have now them separate. Oh, do you? I do. Huh. Well, I have Emperor. Yeah, uh, Emperor's Return is on its own, but then I have the the Morbid Tales with the extra oh, stuff okay. on as well. Okay, cool. It's come out a billion different ways. Yeah. But. So these are uh, the first two uh, two two things from from Celtic Frost here. So enjoy Dethrone Emperor.
was Nocturnal Fear, Dance Macabre, Visions of Mortality, and we opened with Dethrone Emperor. Um, like I said, we uh, we kind of got some changes going on in the band at this point after Morbid Tales. Uh, in August of 85, they put out Emperor's Return, which has a new drummer. Uh, Priestley's gone. Reed St. Mark's Mark. in. And then on something happens between Emperor's Return and the recording of their first full length uh, to Megatherion a couple months later because to Megatherion comes out in October mm-hmm. only you know mere you know three four months after the Emperor's Return EP and founding member and, and you know Hellhammer compatriot uh, Martin Ain is mm-hmm. gone and Dominic Steiner has sort of moved into to playing bass on uh, their debut full length I guess to Megatherion yeah so lovely H.R. Geiger cover yeah. with a devil with a slingshot or something um, yeah pretty pretty <laughs> it's uh, Satan is the title of the cover and H.R. Geiger of course has done you know we talked about him in the Danzig show and then mm-hmm. he's designed the aliens and I mean, carcass, carcass sculpture cover, yeah. for artwork and stuff so obviously uh, kind of a, a extreme metal staple you know yeah. in the art world so but um the the tune we have for you is from Emperor's Return, and uh, that's the only place you could find it, say, unlike Dethrone Emperor, which you could find kind of in both and, and stuff. It's a tune called Visual Aggression, and it's probably the fastest Celtic Frost song up until this point. Um, well, it's maybe it's even almost little, got the Death Crush riff in it, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, And I was going to say that about the, the tune we just heard, Nocturnal Fear, is that that song, you know, as punky as it is, you know, and, and you said it influenced probably Napalm Death, I would say it is equally that sort of punk attitude influence, I guess, even in shape sort of the way that bands like Dark Throne and Mayhem kind of oh, approach yeah. some of the riffing that yeah. they did. And you definitely hear it in a song like this, Visual Aggression, which has, um, there's a repulsion vibe to it as well, uh, whether it's the, the velocity. gargly bass kind yeah, of Yeah, that sort of tone, like just yeah. the, the, the crappy amp sort of sound or, or whatever, that, that sort of fuzz that's kind of coming off. And so obviously this probably would, would uh, have a big influence on the Swedish sound as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's seeing as uh, most of the uh, old switch death metal stuff was played out of bass amps, anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird, you know. I mean, if you were to sort of draw Celtic Frost in the middle, it's sort of like a, a flow chart. I mean, you could you could probably trace a lot of and, and connect almost every sort of metal genre. Yeah. Uh, back. Yeah, I mean, even gothic metal, as crappy as some of that stuff is, like the Napalm Records stuff, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, some of the things that they they're going to pull off in, in part two. You know, I mean, you can trace that kind of experimental weird gothic metal stuff back to, oh, to totally, the frost totally. and stuff so but um yeah so we got visual aggression and then we're, we're going to sort of open the casket to, to, to megatherion uh we'll, we'll talk a lot more about to megatherion when we open up part two but like i said the record comes out in october 85 uh to megatherion just for those of you who are scholarly out there means the great beast <laughs> um and so we're going to go from visual aggression into Donna Megiddo. And uh, we, Megiddo is, of course, a famous... Uh, was Hebrew city? Hebrew city, which biblically, I guess, was is the site of Armageddon and a big battle, you know, mm-hmm. Judgment Day and, and some of that cool kind of stuff. So, also, yeah, it's so, a kind EP. So the dawn of Armageddon <laughs> is really kind of what it, what it means. And, and what's cool about this is, again, you're starting to hear uh, some of the experimentation you heard on, say, Dance Macabre. Um, you'll hear a timpani drum being played by Reed St. Mark. Which I think is... is even translate into black metal as the thunder drum. Yeah, you know? there you go. You know, Thor and uh, Zeus doing their thing up yeah. on Mount Olympus there. 
Um, and or not Mount Olympus. Jeez, uh, I'm, I'm getting freaking uh, Norse and Greek religion mixed up. Uh, That's the, awesome. You know, yes, yeah. Odin is what I meant. The, well, we've got well, French horns on there as well. Yeah, and some French horns. So I mean, and the this, most eerie of the horns. Yeah, the, <laughs> this is pretty ballsy. The most metal I, I think of the for, horns. A, for a extreme metal band, '85 yeah. to start to step out and put French horns and timpanis and things I th- like I that. I remember hearing something about the the session of the musicians coming in to record that as well as it being kind of bizarre. I can't think of any anecdotes or anything. For yeah. Them, well, in a song we're not going to play, but uh, more of an instrumental tune on here, they actually bring Steve Warrior back uh, from the Hellhammer days, and he does some, some sound uh, effects, sound effects, and, yeah. and different things. So it's a it's an interesting record. We'll talk a lot more about it. Um, we've got our kind of closing uh, when we come back, and we'll say our goodbyes for part one. But uh, definitely to Megatherion, you'll you'll hear an introduction to it with Donna Megiddo. So enjoy visual aggression and Donna Megiddo.
That was Donna Megiddo and Visual Aggression. Um, we've got one more tune left uh, from Tomegatherion, uh, but it's Fear Not, Circle of Tyrant fans. You'll yes. have to uh, stick around for part two to hear the continuation of Tomegatherion, as well as our exploration into the the wackier side of Celtic Frost. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the tune we're going to close out with has a very uh, immortal black metal title. Um, Beyond the North Winds. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any more black metal. kind of where Blashirt came from, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. There you go. And it's uh, it's a short but sweet one. Uh, not as not too experimental, not like what you just heard with uh, with Donna Megiddo and stuff, but uh, just a great opening riff. I mean, just super catchy. As, well, as we've got, I think this is kind of where we start hearing the the depth of sound a little bit more i think that they're messing with their uh you know the heads and the amps they're using and it's more about i think celtic frost is all about holding the notes out more than having a flurry of them you know? sure and and as much you know we talked about all the influence these guys had and mark and i you know when we were listening to this uh during the break you know we mentioned the dutch scene as well i mean as fix oh, yeah. the king of kind of open note it's fixed thanatos you know, pestilence, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, even pestilence is sort of guitar tone. You hear it in beyond, uh, beyond the North Winds. You know, yeah. you won't hear the technicality of mm-hmm. that. You'll hear pestilence, but uh, definitely pretty cool stuff. So, but yeah, let us know what you thought of uh, part one. Uh, shoot us an email, requiempodcast at gmail dot com, or uh, leave, leave us a comment on uh, requiempodcast dot com. Leave us a star review rating on iTunes on or iTunes. on Talk Show. Yeah, and uh, look us up on Facebook as well. Uh, you know, befriend we'd, us. We'd love if you to be will. friends with you. Heck yeah! And uh, you know, we we do listen to suggestions. You know, we've had a couple comments saying they wanted a Celtic Frost show, and so hey, we're we're here to serve you. That's right. So, but that's uh, all about fitting the stuff in and not doing too much black metal, which we yeah like, yeah we were on about. a we were on a black metal streak. <laughs> so also let us know what your uh, what your feelings are on uh, the 2009 uh, best of show. If you uh, yeah, we've already gotten some comments on the site. I'd like it. to create some controversy. Yeah, you know, the, but that's a two parter. You know, that's their Christmas gift to you. Is exactly. that you know uh, three hours plus? We, we slaved hard for that, that yeah. one week two part show. So, but uh, yeah, anyway. So enjoy Beyond the North Winds. Stick around next week for uh, part two, obviously, of uh, Celtic Frost. Um, But uh, for Requiem Metal Podcast, I'm Jason. And I'm Mark.